Hey, welcome back to the FDIC podcast, where we talk about our banks and your money. I'm Brian Sullivan with the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Today, we're going to be talking about being banked, or for those 7 million households without a bank account, getting banked. In a previous episode, we looked at new research from the FDIC about how America banks. And not surprisingly, the FDIC noticed a big increase in the use of mobile banking. So when it comes to how America banks, more people use their phones than bank tellers, ATMs, or even their home computers. So today we're going to talk about the different ways people access financial products and services, and we'll talk about those who aren't banked at all and the full court press underway to get them banked. Leonard Chainin returns to the FDIC podcast. He's the deputy to the FDIC chairman for consumer protection and innovation. And Jonathan Mintz is the president and chief executive officer of the Cities for Financial Empowerment Fund. That's an organization that works with local governments and a coalition of other community-minded organizations around the country to bring unbanked families into our financial system. Hey, Leonard, welcome back. And Jonathan, welcome for the first time. Thank you so much, Brian. It's great to be back with you. Thanks, Brian. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Leonard, let's start with you. Why is it so important that people on the outside of our banking system get banked? Yeah, there are a couple of reasons uh, why people should really consider getting a bank account, those persons who don't have bank accounts. One is financial. So the cost of getting a bank account, and Jonathan will talk about this a little bit more in a minute, the cost of getting a bank account really can be better, that is more affordable than getting services from non-banks, that is check cashing services and other services. So one, financially, I think consumers can really be better off getting a bank account than using alternative services. The other really is to get integrated into the mainstream financial system. And we'll talk about this a little bit uh, more later as well. I think it's important and gives consumers really opportunities for the future when they get integrated into the mainstream financial system by having a bank account. Yeah, I think Leonard is, is exactly right. I think that... Um you know, being banked, being part of the mainstream banking system, you know, it's more than an adjective. Um, it really, we have found again and again um, that being connected into the mainstream of the finance system rather than conducting everything ad hoc through check cashers, et cetera, um, is a much more stabilizing influence. We have counseling programs across the country that have found um, that those who are working even repeatedly with financial counselors on their goals around savings and building credit um, are at a significant uh, disadvantage when they aren't banked. Um, and that when they become banked, um, they are something like eight times more likely to be able to achieve those goals. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it's not just more efficient, um, it's building a stronger foundation to meet people's goals. Jonathan, tell us about your organization and the work that you and your partners do to bring more families, specifically lower income unbanked families under the financial tent. So the CFE fund runs the National Bank On program, and at its core, even though it's a national umbrella, uh, at its core, Bank On is really about coalitions. Um, it has always, from the beginning, brought together uh, the banking industry, consumer advocates, municipal leaders, community organizations, um, to find, I, I often say, the middle of the Venn diagram, like where do our interests align? 
um, around stabilizing people by bringing them into the system and bringing them into the system with accounts that are going to work. Uh, and so the bank on program does that um, with a sort of a three or four part equation. One is we have a national certification. We actually are quite specific about what an appropriate product uh, is, what it does, what it can and can't do, what its costs are. Um, and we certify products um, as to whether or not they meet that standard. The second is that we're supporting close to 90 coalitions around the country, um, city, county, state coalitions um, that bring together these multiple stakeholders and try to find opportunities to connect people um, into those certified products. The third piece of the equation is programming, which is if you're really going to uh, help people get into these accounts, then it's it's one thing to have the accounts, it's another thing to talk about the accounts, um, but we believe that uh, where our coalitions are achieving the most success is when they are finding programmatic ways to integrate banking uh, into their work. One of the chief reasons why unbanked families report they aren't banked is the perception, at least, that they can't afford to that the expense of opening and maintaining even a basic checking account is just too high. Minimum balance requirements and bank fees. So Jonathan, is this a perception or is there some reality to this? Well, look, we have all learned a lot from the FDI's research about why people are unbanked over the years. Uh, and we have seen that play out on the ground in our programs, which is people had very reasonable concerns, not so much about what an account cost in the monthly fee, but what it ended up costing them in reality with other fees that they really weren't asking for and didn't expect. Overdraft is the biggest example, uh, inactivity fees, dormancy fees, minimum threshold fees. Um, and so we took all of that input uh, from the FDIC's work and from others and, and, and worked together with the different sectors that I talked about before to craft an account um, that was exactly targeted at those concerns. These accounts cannot be more than $5 a month. These accounts cannot create overdraft fees, insufficient fund fees, dormancy fees. And I think by addressing those exact reasons that people were reasonably concerned, um, I think it's part of why these accounts have been so successful. Leonard, there are so many products and services out there being offered by non-bank financial service providers. You have transaction services that allow people to buy and sell things online, person-to-person -person payment systems that allow people to use their phones to send and receive money. And then you have that universe of prepaid cards out there that look and behave a lot like bank-issued debit cards, but, but may not be. You've held senior positions at the Federal Reserve, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and now here at the FDIC. From where you sit, what are the chief benefits that come from being banked by the banking system? Yeah, so there, there are lots of benefits, and it's important to recognize when you're, when you're talking about banking accounts or bank accounts that there are other services out there, but really a bank account offers you, if you will, kind of one-stop shopping. And so, for example, you get a bank account, and as Jonathan mentioned, uh, particularly offered by many banks, there are um, uh, low minimum balance requirements, there are no overdrafts and other features, so you can manage the fees for those accounts very easily. <clears throat> Typically for, for bank accounts, you have the ability to pay either uh, uh, friends and family without a fee. You have the ability to send payments to 
merchants or utility companies and the like. You have the ability to use the bank's own ATMs, automated teller machines without fees. There's lots and lots of advantages to doing that. And there are other advantages. One is, of course, bank accounts are insured. That is, the FDIC insures uh, consumer accounts up to $250,000 per account. So if the bank should uh, fail, something unlikely, those monies uh, are insured by the FDIC. The other thing is that um, <clears throat> your money is safe. That is, should there be fraud or something uh, involved with the account, you have rights under federal law to uh, uh, dispute you know, those transactions and in essence get your money back. And, and thirdly, we, the FDIC, examine and supervise banks that we have jurisdiction over on a regular basis. Jonathan, you're in the relationship business. I, I, I gather you'd agree that there's a benefit to having a relationship that you can build on as time goes on, starting from the most basic certified checking account to something much larger later in life. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I, th I think, you know, um, people in all of our work and all of our focus groups and research, you know, what people really want is to have control over their money. Um, and as Leonard said, in the first instance, it's about controlling literally what they're paying for those services and being able to conduct the transactions that the rest of us conduct without thinking about and without paying extra fees to perform. Um, and so I think that when people feel like they are no longer conducting their financial services sort of on the fly, like on a like an a la carte sort of approach, but in fact part of the system, it means that when they're ready to get a car loan, it means that when they're ready to get a small business loan uh, or a mortgage or, or whatever their financial goals are to, to set up a savings account, uh, to open up a college account for their kids, like all of those goals that we all have for our family's futures um, begin with getting into the system um, and having uh, a successful experience. And that's very much why um, this effort by the FDIC, the Get Bank campaign, the Bank On program um, with the actual you know, accounts for people uh, really is about not just bringing people in, in for a transactional account, but bringing them into the system so that they can grow their futures. Right. Uh, let me ask you uh, a provocative question. Uh, first you, Leonard, and Jonathan, I'd welcome your take on this too. This is heresy for many bankers who may be listening in, but with all the changes taking place in the banking space, with the explosion of technology and with all the ways we've changed our banking habits during our pandemic, do people really need a bank these days? Yeah. <clears throat> so I would say that having a bank can offer a convenience uh, that, you know, as Jonathan mentioned, so you don't have to do one-off transactions. So for example, people get paid either by check or through some means. If they have a bank account, they can get direct deposit. That means their money is going to almost always get there quicker. They can access it nearly immediately if they have direct deposit as opposed to getting a check. If you get a check, you'll have to go physically or in some fashion to a check cashing organization. You'll have to pay a fee. You don't pay a fee for direct deposit. And then, as we've mentioned, you can engage in transactions with that bank, whether it's online, through a mobile app, or, or even in person, and engage in those tra transactions, such as paying your bills, without being assessed a fee. So you don't have to go to the post office or another uh, location to buy a money order. 
I would also add, Brian, I mean, America learned, we had a front row seat to a very painful lesson about what it meant to be outside of the banking system. You remember back uh, last spring uh, with the first stimulus payment that was going out by the IRS. If you had a bank account, you were getting that money quickly, safely, for zero money, zero fees, directly deposited into your account. They were telling people that if you had to get a check, because you didn't have an account, you might've had to wait three, four, even five months at one point, they were saying, before you were going to get those stimulus dollars. 35 million people got checks and had to wait months to get them um, through, you know, I'm, I'm not faulting the IRS, it's just that they didn't have an account. Um, and so that was a, a really painful underscoring of how much more complicated it is um, and how disadvantageous it is. And, you know, and I would also add, I, it's sort of apocryphal, but true. And it was even more dangerous to your health because all the, the transactions that Leonard just listed, you had to go do in person. Uh, and that was pretty frightening. Jonathan, with more than 7 million unbanked households out there, do you think bankers may believe that serving this segment of the marketplace doesn't make economic sense? Yeah, I think that there are a couple in this here um, that uh, I, I wouldn't mind breaking. I think one is that the I think that for a long time, uh, the banking industry didn't necessarily invest in this population. Um, they didn't see this population as necessarily uh, stable or, or the most appealing of clients. Um, and at least that was the perception. Um, and I think what started to happen was that they saw how much money these people were spending for their financial transactions um, and, and how many of them there were. So, you know, speaking sort of bluntly, there was a big market out there that the banking industry was missing. Um, and I think that the bank on account provided a way um, for them to rethink about those relationships and rethink about those customers um, in a win-win way. At the same time, I think that customers perceived um, that until they had achieved a certain level of uh, stability or wealth in their lives, that banking wasn't yet for them. Uh, and that perception that it's not that people are thinking, oh, banking is a bad idea. Um, what we tend to hear again and again is that people think, well, I'm not quite ready for that. Uh, and the bank on account and these new relationships with the financial institutions that are welcoming people with the, the bank on account, we're talking millions of, of these accounts being opened, um, uh, are seeing that, in fact, these accounts are designed um, for them to have a great experience, that, that they're affordable, that there will be no surprise fees, um, and that, as Leonard said, not only can they afford it, but it is a much more efficient, much more cost-effective way of, of uh, leading their lives. Jonathan, let me, let me ask you a question. Um, we had discussed before that, uh, so banks are competing to get new accounts, and I think you had indicated that there's some data about for, for those customers who get a banked on account for that bank, that they are new customers to that bank. The, was, was there any data on that or information on that? 
Yeah, I'm glad you asked. I think one of the early, in the early days of the bank on certification, there was some concern of uh, financial institutions that by offering a, a low fee, no overdraft account, um, that people were going to jump out of their traditional accounts and and, and opt for this one. Uh, I won't comment on, on what that says, but um, in fact, that really has not been the case. Um, we have data um, that's been voluntarily reported by a large number of the banks that uh, have accounts that we've certified, they've reported this data into a, a central national data hub at the St. Louis Federal Reserve. And, uh, and um, what they have found is that over three quarters of the people that are opening up bank on certified accounts are new to the financial institution. So these accounts really are drawing in new customers. Uh, and from our point of view, presumably is, is a good proxy, but not a perfect proxy, um, people who are outside of the system and are now coming in. So Jonathan, do you believe that with this growth in the number of bank on accounts, that bankers are beginning to realize that this is indeed a growth market? I think that that's absolutely true. I think that this is good for business and I think it's good for communities. And I think that, um, you know, recently when uh, Rob Nichols, the head of the American Bankers Association, um, highlighted to his thousands of bank members that this was the number one priority that they should be offering bank on certified accounts. Um, I don't think he was asking them to take a hit. Uh, I think he was asking them to do something smart. Let me give you both a final word. Let's uh, begin with you, Jonathan. What would your message be to bankers and their potential customers about getting banked? What I would say is that these bank on accounts, um, work. They work for financial institutions. Um, we are seeing not only more and more banks and credit unions offering accounts that can get certified, but doubling down. Uh, we've got some institutions that have multiple accounts that are certified. Um, we had 800,000 new accounts opened in just one year alone. This is a great market. Um, and so the, the banking access world is not just shaking its fist uh, from a consumer advocate perspective and saying, stop doing this and this is what we want. I think we really have identified the center of a Venn diagram. We have identified accounts that speak to why people are outside of the system and that speak to the bank's need to have an account um, that brings in new customers and, uh, and works for them as well. The competition to get new customers out there is quite fierce. You see banks advertising bonuses to customers to open accounts and those sort of things. What I would say is we know there are about 7 million households that don't have bank accounts. So those are opportunities for banks, community banks and other banks, to try and get those customers to open accounts Bank on, I think, is one of the accounts that's going to really appeal to many of those customers. And, and so I think you can bring those customers into the banking system and increase the number of customers that you, the institutions, have and also kind of build that relationship to uh, offer other products to those people. So I think, you know, particularly in light of the competition, those are some uh, those are customers, I think, that uh, you don't have to, if you will, try and get from other banks, you can try and get them into your bank. And as Jonathan indicated, about 70%, 65, 70% of these customers are new to the bank, which is a pretty extraordinary number. I would also just uh, grab, you know, America's listening to this podcast, Ryan. So I, I have to grab the real estate and just say um, that banks that you know, that banks, credit unions that, that are looking to get an account certified or to talk to us about what that would take, 
um, you know, to please visit us at joinbankon.org. Um, certification is easy, it's free, uh, and we are happy to consult with you on, on how to make it work. Jonathan Mintz, the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Cities for Financial Empowerment Fund, and Leonard Chanin of the FDIC, thank you both for joining us to talk about how to bring more unbanked families into the financial system. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Brian.